definitely on my path, and I feel like for a lot of people on their baby journeys, it's this opportunity for us to become happy and healthy, right? So as we're clearing all this gunk out of our lives, you know, it's this opportunity to become our happiest and healthiest selves um, before the baby comes. Welcome back to the Mastering Your Fertility podcast. This show is all about reclaiming health, enhancing fertility, and preparing for pregnancy. We're Kristen Cornett and Dr. Haley Nye, your hosts and the creators of the online fertility platform, Tiny Feet. This episode is brought to you by our online preconception and fertility optimization course, Fertile in Five Masterclass. This course walks you through everything you need to know to prepare for a healthy pregnancy so you can get pregnant when you want to, stay pregnant, and bring your healthy baby home. With over six hours of video lessons, printable worksheets, and quick reference guides, and links to all of our top recommended products and resources, Fertile in Five really lays everything out for you in an easy-to-follow step-by-step program. If you're ready to stop stressing over getting pregnant and feel confident and empowered on your fertility journey, then this is the perfect solution for you. To learn more, click on the link in the podcast episode description or go to bit.ly forward slash fertile in five. And if you'd like to get a free sneak peek at the full course, check out our mini course on how to choose the best prenatal supplements, which actually walks you through step three of fertile in five masterclass. You can get signed up for the free course through the link in the podcast episode description or by going to bit.ly forward slash prenatal supplements. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We're a holistic nutritionist and naturopathic doctor, and our passion is helping couples get pregnant naturally and have healthier babies. We started a virtual practice through Tiny Feet, where you can schedule one-on-one consults to investigate your health and get your fertility on track. And we also offer online courses. You can learn more on our website at tinyfeet.co. And if you're local to the Portland area, you can find Dr. Haley at Synergy Women's Healthcare. To learn more about working with her in person, visit SynergyPDX.com. You're listening to episode 54, where I have the pleasure of interviewing fertility blogger and miracle mommy, Anna Rapp. After being told that she would never be able to get pregnant naturally and that not even IVF would work for her, Anna started doing her own research on what she could do to support her fertility and improve her hormone levels. Her initial goal was to convince her doctor to at least let her try IVF, but after three months of working on her diet, lifestyle, toxic exposures, and mind-body wellness in preparation for an IVF cycle, she ended up getting pregnant naturally with her first miracle baby. She now has two beautiful children and has started a blog called To Make a Mommy that helps walk other women through how to start making changes to reclaim their fertility. In this episode, you're going to learn all about Anna's fertility story, including many of the things that she did to beat the odds and get pregnant naturally with both of her children, why it's important to take control of your own journey and be willing to look beyond conventional fertility treatments the different approaches you can take to making diet and lifestyle changes, and how to figure out which approach will work best for you, how your mental and emotional well-being affects your baby journey, and why it's so important to focus on more than just getting pregnant when you're going through fertility struggles. And then we're also going to talk about Anna's favorite resources for diving into the natural fertility approach, including more information about her own blog and Facebook groups. 
You can find links to some of Anna's top blog posts and favorite resources in the show notes for this episode, and you can get to those through the link in the podcast episode description. Also, just a quick note about the audio for this interview. We did have some technical challenges that required Anna to call into our meeting, so her audio quality isn't as awesome as we'd like, but you should still be able to hear everything just fine, and hopefully this doesn't impact your enjoyment of this truly awesome interview. Dr. Haley was also unable to join us this week, but she'll be back next week. So let's get started on the interview. All right, welcome, Anna Rapp. Thank you so much for joining me today on Mastering Your Fertility. I'm really excited to be chatting with you about your story. Thanks. I'm so excited to be on. Yeah, so let's kind of start with that. Just start talking about kind of everything that you went through. So first question I kind of want to ask you is just when did you and your husband first realize that there might be something wrong when you were first trying to conceive? Well, it took a, a good year. Um, and even then, so we started trying, we got married and we started trying right away. And, um, and then we didn't get pregnant and then we didn't get pregnant. And we didn't get pregnant. But I um you know, like I had, I immediately had read all of the, you know, it takes about a year usually and don't worry until it's been a year. And so I was like, okay, everything's fine. Everything's fine. Um, I think I knew in my gut something was off. Um, and we had our first like big miscarriage after a year of trying. Um, but the doctors still didn't want to look into it. They were just like, it's been a year. You've gotten pregnant. You know, it's just a blighted ovum. Um, you know, just go keep trying. Um, so it wasn't until a year and a half when I had another loss and I really pushed the doctors. I was like, can you re can you please send me to a specialist? Can we please look into this further? Um, that they did. And, um, and, and we realized there really was something wrong. Um, but, uh, yeah, but I think I knew in my gut something was weird for a yeah. while. I, I think a lot of us that have been on this journey, it's, it's hard to get it taken seriously if it hasn't been the right amount of time, like in the medical community, yep. if you don't fit the definition for infertility or you haven't had enough losses. And that's just really frustrating yep. because you know your body better than anybody. And that sort of medical definition of infertility or recurrent pregnancy loss, like we shouldn't have to get yep. there before we're able to, to get care. Yeah. And it's, it's nice that they were trying to keep me from over-medicalizing it. You know what I mean? It was, it's nice that they were trying to, oh, don't worry about it. Just go have fun. Yeah. But for me, that was, that was the wrong, you know, that was the wrong path. Um, and so I, we had, I did have to push to get, to get the, the attention I needed. Yeah. It's, um, I guess it's a hard balance there because you are trying to keep patients from going down a rabbit hole that they don't really need because... I'm right. sure there are plenty of women that don't need that. Like they do need to just try exactly. longer, but I think it's, you know, doctors listening to their patients that they know their body and something isn't right. And yeah. So let's talk a little bit about what was done for you when you were finally able to kind of get an evaluation and, and see a little bit deeper, what might be going on. So what tests were run and kind of what was that evaluation process like for you? So uh, they did a great job doing tons of tests. So they did like a recurrent uh, loss panel and then they did like all the, the big infertility workup. Um, and I had not, so I normally I'm like a huge researcher and I like, before I even go into the doctor, I'm like, this is what I think is going on. And this is what we should do. And da, da, da. 
I had actually not done that for this. So I had not, like, I didn't know what FSH was or AMH was. I just figured they would do all the tests and I'd figure out what happened. And I got a call. I was waiting for the results and I got a call and they were like, you know, we got this weird result for your AMH. We, it, it was undetectable. We couldn't measure it. So we want to, we want to do the test again. Um, you know, can you come in for another blood work? And I think I was actually there because they were doing um, the HSG. So I was, I was at, and um, so I went in for the blood test. And again, I don't know how I didn't, I didn't Google undetectable AMH. It just, I just thought they screwed up their blood work. Like right. they just did a bad job. I didn't understand that that was a thing. And um, so then we, you know, my husband and I, like, you know, we walked into the, the, they call, they don't give me the results over the phone. They call me in for a meeting. And I think I thought they would say something like, oh, you're fine. We're just going to do a little Clomid and you're going to get pregnant. And I, I, I cried in the doctor's office. I mean, I, I just sobbed. I mean, she, she ah, man, she, it, was, it was so completely unexpected. The, the high FSH, the low AMH, um, they were just like, you know, you're, you're, you're going towards menopause. You know, your eggs are, um, you know, you, you, I, don't, I don't remember the exact words. You don't have a lot of eggs. You don't have good eggs. Your eggs are terrible. Uh, we saw some other doctors after this, so this was the first one. I, I don't even know if I could hear it. I was just so shy. And she was like, you immediately need to freeze a bunch of eggs. And then if you, if you want to get pregnant again in the future, you'll need to freeze a bunch of eggs right now. Um, I was 32. And um, we need to do IVF. And I was just totally shocked. It never occurred to me that I would, and I, you know, in retrospect, I know that that's not shocking for everyone, but for me, that was very shocking. I was not expecting that. Um, and I sobbed and I cried and I was like, no way, I'm not doing that. I can't handle that. Um, and my husband was like, well, why don't we like just check in with some other doctors and see if this actually makes sense. So that was, um, that was like a nonprofit university doctor that we had seen, like a very, very excellent um, RE program. Um, but then we went to Shady Grove and Shady Grove is like this like huge, massive, sprawling IVF complex down here in the DC area. Um, and I kind of liked that, right? I was kind of like, okay, here are doctors who are, you know, their game is to make babies. Let's go talk to the doctors whose like game is to make as many babies as possible. Um, and, uh, and we went and of course they said the same thing, right? Of course they, said the, they, they didn't want to do, they weren't interested in, uh, the freezing eggs and they actually were a little bit harsher about it. They were like, you should probably just do donor eggs. You know, you're really just playing around with this whole IVF thing. Um, and so then they, they gave us all how much everything would cost. Sorry, is it okay that I'm just like going on my story? Please. Yes, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> um, so they like, they gave us all the cost for everything and like nothing was covered. It was going to be so expensive. Um, and, you know, donor eggs is going to be like 30,000 plus um, IVS was like 20,000 plus cause they, they wanted all the add-ins, right. They wanted like, like all the plus ups were on, on, were required. Um, and my husband and I were sitting down, I remember we were in his office and we were like looking at a spreadsheet of money and like our bank accounts. And I just was like sobbing and sobbing and sobbing. And my husband in this like beautiful burst of universal wisdom was like, I don't think it's a good idea for us to spend this much money on this right now when you are so upset, when you are in this place. Cause I was like, I was like anxious, depressed. I mean, the, I was like in the, I was in the full whirlwind of infertility misery, right? Like multiple miscarriages, 
this dire diagnosis, I was just not in a happy place. And he was like, he was like, I'm sorry, but we're not dropping 20 grand when you're like this. He's like, it's not going to work. Right. And I don't know how he knew that. Um, but, um, but he was totally right. So we said, okay, we're going to take a break. You know, we're going to take a break for three months. I'm going to, I had been, um, I hadn't been doing all the things. I hadn't even researched all the things, but I'd been trying to moderate my sugar. I had cut back on caffeine. I'd cut back on alcohol, sort of like when you Google what to do to get pregnant and you get like the WebMD results. I'd been doing like the WebMD results, you know, like Mm -hmm. the basic stuff, the basic plan. And um, I don't think I was taking any supplements or anything. And, um, but even that I was like, we're not going to do that. We're just going to, we had a number of vacations lined up. It was like the end of spring, beginning of summer, we're going to go to vacations. I'm going to eat hamburgers. I'm going to drink beer. Um, and for those of you who don't know my story, this is not the point when I get pregnant. I do not get pregnant when I'm eating hamburgers and drinking beer. <laughs> um, but um, I, so I, so we do that for three months and then we're like, okay, we're going to do this. It's like, we're going to, we're going to put our nose to the grindstone. And during that time I had been reading, I've been reading, the book, it starts with the egg had come out, thank goodness. Um, it had just come out and I had ordered it and I read it and I'd been like just combing the internet, looking for all sorts of things and inspiration and like, you know, how to get pregnant naturally with high SSH. And I found Julia Indichova and I'd read her book and, um, and I was starting to find on the internet and in the books I was reading sort of beyond that WebMD, you know, sort of the deeper levels of, um, and back then there's still, there wasn't nearly as much available as there is now, right? Just um, what, seven years ago. So, I mean, there's um, six years ago. So, um, uh, but I was starting to, to realize that I was going to need to be a lot more strict um, than this sort of gentle path, right? I was going to be, need to be a lot more strict. So then a bunch of things happened at once. I started Julia and Dechova's program. I started seeing, I switched to acupuncturists. I went to like a super cool, intense, uh, acupuncturist and, um, and I started doing all the smoothies and the supplements and you know, the wheatgrass and, um, uh, and I totally cut out 100%, you know, caffeine and alcohol and all this. Um, and, and sugar, that was a big one. Um, and I went back to the doctor and I said, okay, we're, we're ready to do, we're going to, we're ready to do IVF or we'll be ready in three months. We're going to do this 90 day thing and we're going to do it. And in my heart, I really didn't want to do IVF, but I was like, let's see if we can, you know, if we can, and they're like, they were super ready. The doctors were great. Okay. We're just going to re redo your day three test and then we'll get started. Well, they redid my day three test and they called me because my FSH had jumped up to 34 and they were like, yeah. They called me in again. They didn't do it over the phone. They called me in and they were like, sorry, you can't do IVF. Like your numbers are too bad. We're not, there's wow. no way we would do IVF with you. They weren't even going to um, let you try. Yeah. That's no, they were like, sorry. And, um, so it was another blow, but I knew I had only, I had only started doing, it was almost all the things I had only started doing it for a couple of weeks. Right. Um, so I was still out of whack from that three months of, you know, drinking, <laughs> drinking beer and eating hot hamburgers. Um, so, so I, I, I went and I Googled and I found women who said, I convinced my doctor that if I could lower my FSH, they'd let me do IVF. Um, so I was, so I proposed it to the doctor. I said, if I can lower my FSH to something reasonable, can I, can I try IVF? Um, and he said, you can't lower your FSH naturally. That's not a thing. But, <laughs> if, but, but if you could, yes, you, yes, you can. 
but I'm only going to let you do it. It was like um, August when we were talking. I'm only going to let you do this crazy stuff until December. And after that, it's off the table. Um, so, so this was great. This was great motivation, right? So I'm like doing the teleconference series with Julia Indichova, and she's like, stop doing all dairy. Why are you doing this? You know, just totally commit to, you know, the meditation every day and the visualization, visualization every day. And my acupuncturist is like, why are you still doing dairy? Completely cut out the dairy, do all this stuff. And the doctor is like, you've only got a few months to lower your FSH and then you're doing donor eggs. Um, and, uh, it, you know, I was right. You know, now if the doctor told me that, I'd be like, whatever, I'll do what I want. You're not the boss of me. But at the time, I still thought he was the boss of me. Um, so, so anyway, so then we just did, we just did everything. Um, you know, I just, I, I went on this, you know, super crazy diet, um, focused on, I mean, we were eating leafy greens like six times a day. It was crazy. Um, <laughs> and, uh, um, and I was meditating every day, doing yoga every day, doing visualization every day, doing like really cool, funky, like body work every day. And um, I just did everything that I had, everything that was in the research. Um, and so then uh, two months in, they were doing my day three testing each time. And two months in, they did my testing. And my FSH had come down to, uh, to 12. Wow. And the doctor said, let's, let's do it. Let's, let's do it this month. But it turned out I had never gotten um, uh, one of the, one of the procedures that they need, like one of the prep procedures that they needed to do beforehand hadn't happened, but the practice transfer embryo hadn't happened. He said, okay, well, we'll do it next month. So we did the practice transfer embryo and we had everything like all the, and I was like, I didn't want to do IVF. So like every day that month I was like praying and like, doing visualization, trying to figure out, is this really what I'm supposed to do? You know, I'm, I'm getting, I felt healthier. I had my, my, my blood pressure had dropped. I had lost weight. My skin had cleared up. Um, I was like energetic and happy. Like I was feeling good and my FSH was low. And I was like, I don't know if I really want to screw this up with all those hormones for IVF. Like what's right. going to happen? You know, like this could real, that could really like screw up everything I've worked on. And then I also like, I'm a, I was raised Catholic, so I have all this confused religious stuff about IVF, and I just, I really just didn't want to do it, and, I'm, and I was praying every night, but we were still moving forward. I did the mock transfer. Um, we had all the, like, the, we were, like, ready to hit order on all the medicine the next day three, and, um, and, then, and then my period never came because I was pregnant. Um, I mean, it was, it, was, it was amazing, and it wasn't, um, uh, for those of you who, you know, have taken a lot of a pregnancy test. The other ones, when I'd had the losses, they were always like super faint lines, right? They were like kind of faint. You'd kind of see them. This was like day 28. I peed on that stick and immediately like this beautiful dark line, like I'd never seen before. Um, and so then that turned out to be my son. Um, and uh, yeah, I'll take, I'll take a breath there. I, that was a lot yeah. of story. <laughs> well, I mean, it's an incredible story and it's so incredibly inspiring. And I, that's really the reason that we wanted to have you on is because you know, we talk a lot of the science and we talk a lot of the things on the podcast, but I think it's important to celebrate these successes that happen from a natural approach, the things that diet and lifestyle and mind body work can do for you. I mean, this is really incredible what you were able to do yeah. 
with your body, um, especially while you're in this process of preparing for IVF and to not even need that. Now, I mean, that's not necessarily going to be everyone's story, but the point is, is that it's possible to do. Like, yes. this can happen. Absolutely. And I think it's important for women to know that and hear that, especially when doctors get really doom and gloom with the numbers sometimes. Yep. They don't see hope. Um, and I think it's, in their experience, they don't see things like this happen very often. I think they're taught in school and in their residency that numbers like this with women go in one direction and it's down. Right. That's the only yep. direction that something like FSH can only go yep. up and AMH can only go down and there's really no turning it around. Um, but, you know, how, how much experience do we really have studying? And we were really still at the beginning of studying how these different types of changes mm -hmm. can turn numbers around. And, um, you know, some of the studies aren't at the level that doctors need them to be like right. really yeah. massive, like super high quality, really well-designed studies that have to be repeated over and over again, um, totally. or the right. medical establishment to accept that this is a thing that can be done. Yeah. This is, I was just, I was at a, like a, I was, uh, talking with people who run blogs and I was just saying like a lot of the information on my website will be what the doctors say 10 years from now, right? It's just that the, the research, the practice lags the research, like the research is out there, but we need several studies and you know, before the doctors, before it gets picked up and before it goes into practice. Not that there aren't cutting edge doctors, there are a ton of really great cutting edge doctors out there who are yeah. following all the latest, latest research. And also just to, you know, to be nice to the doctors, you know, the old saying, um, when you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Yeah. Um, you know, they have, the reproductive endocrinologists, they have a set of tools. And when women come in, they all look like one of those nails for one of those tools, right? They say, okay, you go with this tool, you go with this tool, you know, your IVF, your donor eggs, your ICSI IVF, you know, like your Clomid. Um, they don't have the research and background of all those other natural approaches. And so how could they possibly say, you should do a little wheatgrass and have some acupuncture, you know? that wasn't in their training. They don't know that. Yeah. Um, so I have the same kind of thought about conventional medicine, like as, as frustrating as some of the stories that I hear are, and as frustrating as like my own story is from that perspective, I do know that doctors get into medicine because they want to help people. But the, the set of tools that they're taught in medical school is really just one piece of the possible yeah. puzzle. And because it's, you know, it's, it's very sciencey and it's very intense and they spend a lot of years learning that. Um, but it does miss out on the more holistic pieces that are available that it's unfortunate because most people go to the doctor when they have an issue and that's where we expect to get sort of the end all be all information. You know, when a doctor tells you you're not going to get pregnant with your own eggs and you can't even try IVF, like a lot of women would just say, uh, okay, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Okay. This, right. this is the answer. I go to the expert. The expert tells me, no, this isn't possible. I have to do it this other way, or I have to consider donor eggs adoption, you know, whatever the case may be. Right. That's, that's all there is at that point. And, and I think many people yeah. are still in that boat where, you know, they've been to the doctor, they've been told a certain thing, given a diagnosis, given a prognosis and, and that's yeah. all, that's all. So, yeah, I think, I think this is where a lot of women find my blog actually. That moment they've come home from the doctor, the doctor's told them, sorry, like donor eggs are your only option. And they, and they start searching. 
um, and that they, I get a lot of comments and messages saying like, I found you at two in the morning. Like the doctor just told me this. I just found your website. Like, thank you so much. Like you've given me a, a potential alternative route to, to look at. Um, yeah. And even if all the things, you know, aren't, aren't an immediate result for them, like they are for you, just even knowing that you have some power in the situation, I think the powerlessness, yeah. the helplessness, the hopelessness, that feeling is what kills you even more than the diagnosis yeah. itself. It's believing that there's nothing you can do. Yeah. I think, and that was a big part of my journey was learning how to take that power back, you know, for myself, how to put myself back in charge of my journey. Um, and, and you know, I think that's something, you know, I'm, I'm still learning, uh, but that I'm a lot better at now. Um, you know, this is, and we, I went back to a different RE um, after my son was born a year after um, when I, would, I wanted to start talking about, I wanted to get all my tests on again, basically. I wanted to see what my numbers were. Um, but I remember like, even before I went in, like I had to like talk myself up, right? I had to be like, okay, this is my journey. Like I'm going to pay her for her services for what I want. I am not, you know, like I am not going in for her to tell me what to do. Like I am like, and I had to keep reminding myself that because I had a conversation with her where she was like, let's try a little Clomid. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I could try a little, no, no. Like, what am I doing? Like, I really, it was, um, yeah. So it's still, you know, something we can all, all and it's something that, uh, it's one of the many, many blessings that I have found that will help me throughout my life. Um, and that certainly helped me with my children going to the doctor and um, just that rem reminding that, you know, reminding yourself that you're in charge of your own health journey. Um, yeah, that's, that's one of the pieces of advice that we uh, share most often on the podcast. And one of the things that our guests share most often is that self-advocacy piece and the control piece yeah. and, you know, being, being at the helm of your own journey and the fact that, you know, your medical professionals, although they are very educated and they know a lot of things, um, they're not in your body um, and they don't know everything. Absolutely. And Absolutely. yeah, so I think it's, it is really important to reestablish that sense of, of control and autonomy and advocacy for yourself. And I think it's amazing that you were able to do that, but I'm curious, like what, what was that like for you when you first started doing all these things and doing all of this research, like this had to be, this had to be overwhelming. <clears throat> so, okay. So I think I'm, so some of my readers and I in the big Facebook group that we have the um, clean eating and green living for fertility is a big group. We, we've sort of like watched, you know, people come and go and the way people, different people respond to do, I call it doing all the things. Cause that's what my husband and I said, we were just like, we're just going to do all the things, um, you know, for 90 days and see what happens. Um, so I think some people, I think we think, I think there's two different kinds of people. I don't know if it's roughly type A, type B. I'm not really sure what it is. Two kinds of women, right? So one kind of woman is like me. And uh, so when I was sort of, I call it like dallying, when I was sort of dallying with the fertility lifestyle, oh, it's kind of reducing this, kind of reducing that. I, you know, I wasn't buying cookies for at home, but if somebody brought in donuts to work, I was going to have them. I mean, it was a special <laughs> occasion and they brought in donuts. When I was doing that, I felt so stressed and miserable. I felt out of control. I felt um, I it it wasn't this happy moderation thing, right? It was this I'm not in control. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, 
you know, I'm, I'm trying my best here. I'm not buying any cookies. You know, I'm only having a drink when I go out with friends or I'm only having a latte occasionally. Um, but it just didn't feel good. Um, to me, for me, reading everything I possibly could, finding everything I could, looking up the studies, um, writing it all down, making a plan, and then saying I'm going to stick to it 100%. Um, for me, that was empowering. For me, that brought me peace. For me, and, I, and, I, and it seems like for my readers who are like me, kind of type A, kind of obsessive, need to be in control, this is what brings us peace. Okay, I have finally done everything I possibly can, and now I will have no regrets. If this doesn't work, I'll know, I know I tried. You know what I mean? And I, don't, I won't need to do this for years and years, because if it doesn't work in a certain amount of time, it's, you know, it, maybe it's not going to work. Of course, back then, I didn't understand things about like um, elimination diets and identify, identifying additional food sensitivities and things like that. Like, I, I just didn't know about stuff like that. So, um, so I'm really lucky that it worked, because I could have done everything I did, and it could have not worked, and it could have been because I had a food sensitivity to strawberries. or You know, you never know right. what. Um, but, um, so I'm very lucky that, that it did work. Um, but then there are other women that I see, you know, some of my readers who doing everything 100% is super crazy stressful. Like that makes them not so doing all the research and then putting it all into practice makes them crazy. And they're the ones who really need the 80, 20 rule. They're the ones who, you know, the fertility coaches who are like, um, you know, do it 80% and then, you know, 20% or 10% for the soul. Um, and for them, that works a lot better. For me, that doesn't, for me, that's the path of like donuts every day. Like that just yeah. doesn't. That's not me. <laughs> that's not well, that's not me either, because then <laughs> I, if things aren't improving or going the way that I want them to, I'll always wonder if that 20% was what was responsible. And I'm not judging exactly. women who need that because for some people that stress is a much more important factor than that yeah. extra 20% of things that they could do. And you know, that's a challenge in clinical work with women is that that's why you, you can't just have this like hard and fast approach. Like, oh, I'm going to put every client on this like really super restrictive elimination diet and, you know, yeah. ask them to do 79 things. Like you, you can't do right. that with everybody <laughs> just because it, that approach isn't effective for everybody, but you, you gonna, you get used to identifying the people that that will work for and the people that it won't. Yeah. But, you know, I, I just think that there's a lot that's customizable about this. You know, there are so many things yeah. that, that you can do. But I, I also think that what you just said about the two different types of women, like what we're talking about here, brings up another really important point and something that you really focused on on your journey, which is the mind-body piece. Yeah, 100%. And so that's... This is the part that... <laughs> Yeah, that's, I mean, that's something that you were focusing on so heavily. I mean, with, uh, with the like daily meditation and, you know, visualization. So like, talk a little bit more about that. How did you sort of wrap your head around that? Like, was the mind body piece really key to what you were doing? Or do you feel like it was more of like an accessory to sort of the diet and lifestyle changes? No, I think it was absolutely key. And I get it. Um, I, it's so, it, it's so hard for me when I see women working so hard with diet and supplements and lifestyle kind of stuff, but they're not doing the mind body work or they're kind of playing around with it because I mean, this is, you know, the mind body work is life changing and there's real research behind it, right? There's really good research, like yeah. doing med meditation where you go into the relaxation response for 15 to 20 minutes a day changes your life. It changes your body. It changes your cells. It, I mean, there's, 
you know, all sorts of different studies for all different kinds of illnesses that are, you know, change, you know, that are, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess there's no Google. I, I don't want to say healed, right? Like people are healed, right? Like people are uh, healed from meditation. And that's not, that's just one, that's just like 20 minutes a day, right? 20 minutes a day of doing, you know, a yoga needs. I mean, I can't do, I shouldn't, you know, when I say meditation, for me personally, I have a very hard time just sitting down and meditating. Mm-hmm. So I almost always listen to something. Um, I, when trying to get pregnant, I listen to Circle and Bloom because I think it's absolutely amazing and it's tailored for your cycle. I just love it. Um, but if I'm not trying to conceive, then I'll use like yoga nidra, or like a short yoga nidra, um, or a long one if I have more time, or any kind of guided relaxation that gets you into that 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 kind of like zen where you've zoned out. Um, and that's when I tell people who are like nervous about the mind body work or who are newbies, like absolutely just start with that. Like just do that. If you can just do that every single day of your life you know, things are going to change, you know, things are going to start changing. But that, um, you know, some of our other like science-based practices are like gratitude. Like there's a lot of research backing gratitude practice. Um, and like the latest research is, so every single day you write down three things that you're grateful for and they have to be three new things. So every single day you have to come up with three new things you're grateful for, no repeating. Um, the old research didn't have that, but that's the beauty. Like the beauty is in the searching your life for the three new things you're grateful for. Um, and then like, like living one of the big things, so I'm just going to start going through all the different mind body practices, right? So there's the meditation, yeah. there's the, the great, the great, the gratitude practice. Um, there's the, and this is, this is a life changing thing for me is sort of what, what is my goal at this moment? So when I was trying to conceive, it was getting pregnant. Um, you know, what is my goal at this moment and how can I be mindful throughout my entire day towards that purpose? So, um, so like when I was showering, I'm like washing away all of the negative energy or the um, toxins or like almost like visualizing it, being mindful of it. And then when I'm eating, like, you know, this spinach is providing me with like the dense nutrients and the folate that I need to have a healthy baby. And when I'm making this bone broth, right? Like, thank you chicken for you know, the, you know, you know, your life and your energy that's coming to me, that's going to nourish me, that's going to create like these beautiful juicy eggs that are going to, you know, that are going to make this beautiful baby. Um, and for me, I, for a lot of people, that's super intense, right? That's the kind of stuff that your grandma tells you you're crazy. You need to just relax and stop. Thinking <laughs> about it. But, for, but for me, it helped me to be mindful. It helped me to, you know, like when I went out in nature and sat on the ground and I was like, okay, I, I would like, you know, listen to the wind and feel the wind on my face. And then I would think about the energy of the earth and the, you know, the, if it was winter, you know, the, the seeds under the ground that were so filled with potential that were going to burst through in spring or, you know, if it's spring, it's easy. You just look around, you see the flowers. And um, I mean, it's, so just sort of having that focus for me gave me a way to be mindful in sort of everything I did. Um, maybe not everything, but a lot of what I did. Um, yeah, I, I think and, that's uh, so important. It's so important. I think that we, um, in our modern culture, like maybe our grandmas thought that this stuff was super woo and you just need to relax and you'll get pregnant. But that generation comes from a little bit of a simpler time. Like we didn't have yeah. as many demands on our time and attention and the pace of life was different when our grandparents were young. 
And, you know, my grandma is, she's my last surviving grandparent. She's in her eighties and, you know, she's coming from a place where, um, her childhood and her childbearing years were different. And so this mind body practice, I think is so much more crucial than maybe it used to be because it's harder to relax and it's harder to disconnect. And there are more things kind of sitting in our minds and gumming up our thoughts. And I think there are more ways to end up with a negative self-talk. And because so many of our thoughts are not conscious, like we operate on 95% autopilot every day. And so like, what is your autopilot telling you? Like, what is your, the 95% of your thoughts that are completely subconscious? Like, what are those saying to you? And I think that visualization, meditation, affirmations, gratitude, those are the types of things that start to really shift whatever that 95% is. And for a lot of us very type A women, it's negative. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And I think the, uh, the, the, you know, talking about sort of our lifestyles now and, you know, sort of the, the constant pressure to produce, right? Like if I'm not producing work, if I'm not accomplishing things, if I'm not getting the house clean, if I'm not getting the shopping done, if I'm not da 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 then, you know, what is my value as a person? Um, and I feel like that is super intense, you know, it, at, this, at this point in our culture, right? That is super intense, um, especially for type A kind of people who have their to-do list and want to check them all off. Um, and it does not come easy to me to step away from that. Um, and and even with, you know, I think I've gotten, I've seen some like pushback from other fertility coaches from my approach, right? Because they're like, they're like, you know, you know, telling people to do a billion things is not helpful, right? You're, we're trying to get away from this, do so many things. But, but somehow for me, moving my whole focus into this mindful fertility, you know, even if though I was doing 79 things, it didn't feel overwhelming. It felt calming. It felt like, you know, I, and I also said no to everything else, right? Like I like, um, I think I, I have a blog post on it with like simplify your schedule for fertility. Like I just like ditched everything I possibly could that wasn't related to this. Like everything that wasn't bringing me joy, everything I didn't have to do, I just cut out of my schedule um, so that I would have the time to <laughs> sit on my couch and journal and look out the window, um, and uh, which I totally did. <laughs> Yeah. It, re- it reminds me of an interview that we did a while back on the podcast and uh, her name's Razzie Berry and she's a great advocate for the naturopathic medical community, but she has a similar story of being told that like she was never going to have her own children. And, you know, she, she really talks about kind of how changing the, the mindset, like her, she had a naturopathic doctor who asked her, how are you going to make space for in your life for this child that you want to have? Yeah. And I'm like, oh my God, like what a profound question because that really changed the mindset for her. You know, she really realized that in doing all of these things that she needed to do, she was actually not only loving her body and nourishing her body to make space for that baby, but she was also prioritizing and degunking yeah. things. And, and that's therapeutic in itself. I, I agree for to some extent with fertility coaches who say, well, yeah, I mean, if you just tell people to do 79 things, that's just way too overwhelming. It's like, but you're not yeah. just telling them to do 79 things. You're telling them to shift their mindset and their focus 
focus on this mind body piece. And maybe that's what you do first so that you can make space to do things that are loving and nourishing to your body. Cause so many of the things that we do every day do not fall under that category at all of loving and nourishing. And some of those things are like cultural and, and social expectations that we have. And if we're not investigating how those things are affecting us and impacting us in a negative way, then we're kind of missing the point. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I had, so mine, mine was similar. I had an acupuncturist who said to me, uh, the universe knows if you're too busy to have a baby. Oh, um, profound. Like, and I was like, what? Cause I probably said something to her like, Oh, I don't have time for that. I'm too busy. And she's like, Oh, like, you don't know how busy you're going to be when you have a baby. Like the universe, you know, you need to clear this time out now. Um, and it was, it was exactly that. And then the other thing is, um, it just made me think of it when you were talking, but, um, I feel like, you know, definitely on my path. And I feel like for a lot of people on their baby journeys, um, it's this opportunity for us to become happy and healthy, right? So as we're clearing all this gunk out of our lives, you know, it's this opportunity to become our happiest and healthiest self um, before the baby comes. And, you know, I, um, you know, if you can sort of imagine all our little babies floating up there, you know, waiting to, waiting to come down to us. Um, but like, they want us to be as happy and healthy as possible before they come. Um, and so like, here is our chance to do the meditation and to, to do the yoga every day and to do the gratitude and to, and to figure out what diet really nourishes us personally the best. Um, and to, and definitely to clear our homes and life of lifestyles of all the, of all the toxins that we possibly can. Um, so that we're ready, ready for a baby. And I think that's another, it's just another thing, you know, in our Facebook group when, you know, when women are sort of like veering off the path into, um, into frustration or depression or something like that, it's sort of saying like, okay, what do you need to be happy right now? Like, how can you, like, how can you pursue happiness? Oh, by the way, there's like these five research-based things you should probably do, but <laughs> But, you know, like, how can you focus on getting happy right now? Because wouldn't it be nice if that happiness and health came before baby um, or with baby at the same time? Yeah. I mean, it's not just about getting pregnant. It's not even just about having a healthy baby. It's being able to care for that baby and have the family that you've yeah. dreamed. It's, that's, it's not just about yeah. having the person there. It's about having the experience and being able to be healthy and happy and present for that experience because, I know a, a lot of women um, with young children that I've seen that are, are not having that experience that they envisioned for themselves. And a lot of it is because they weren't happy and healthy to start. Um, and Absolutely. things only get crazier and busier and more overwhelming and more sleep deprived and, you know, all of those yeah. things after baby comes. And so, yeah, it's, it's magical and it's amazing to finally be able to achieve that pregnancy, but you know, you still have to be prioritizing yourself to some degree so that you can be that mom that you always wanted yeah. to be. And have the tools to take care of yourself in motherhood. Um, yeah, definitely. That's huge. That's really important. Yeah. So you can still continue to prioritize things that make you happy, like your marriage. Cause that's something that's like hard to maintain, yeah. obviously when you have small children. And so now you have two miracle kids that have come out of these uh, amazing tools that you were able to research yeah. and put together for yourself. And then you started your blog, which is called to make a mommy, which is so cute. Yeah. I love it. Um, so at what point did you start that? And how did that kind of, how did this idea come to you? Like how, how did this become yeah. what it is? 
so this was um so when we when when my son was born i posted on my personal facebook page because that's all i had i didn't have the blog or anything so on my personal facebook page i posted a very it was a very religious message it was about you know miracles um and it was also about hard work you know it was like i feel like you know god challenged me to do all this hard work and i did all these things and so it was a very detailed message and so for the next six months i would get like every week i would get a message from a family or a friend saying hey you know either i'm struggling to get pregnant or i know this person is struggling to get pregnant can you like tell me all the things you did and so i would like write this long email and then the next week I would write a super long email again. And then I would be lying in bed and be like, oh crap, I forgot this, this, and this. Oh, I did this too. Oh, I didn't write this down. And so then like I had this template email and I would just like copy it over for the next person who emailed me. And then I would add stuff to it. And then I was like, this is crazy. Like, first of all, I don't have time. I was still working um, like a, a desk job at that time. Um, and I really wanted to be home with my baby. And I had this baby who, you know, wasn't sleeping. And, um, and I was writing these long emails and I was like, this is crazy. Like there must be a more efficient way to do this. Um, when I had been young, I had done like some travel blogs and some recipe blogs just for fun. Um, and, uh, and I was like, oh, I could just write a, I should make a blog and then I could just put it all there. And then instead of retyping these emails and this stuff, I could just send people the link. Um, and so then I was like, you know, Google how to make a blog, how to start a blog. Um, and, uh, so I started the blog and I would write posts. Um, and it started with my like original email. Like I took that email that I'd been writing to friends and that was like my first content. And, um, and I told my story and I would work on it. Um, like when I was home and the baby was napping or at night when I couldn't sleep, cause I'd be lying in bed thinking, I forgot about this and I forgot about this and Oh, the doctors never tell you this. And what about this? Um, and so that was that. And for the first year, the blog got like a hundred people a month visiting it, like nobody. Um, and then all of a sudden Google discovered it and, um, and I started getting lots and lots of traffic and, um, uh, and it's just been, it's just been so much fun. It's just been so wonderful. Um, and we started, um, so I have a couple of different Facebook groups. The big one is the clean living and, uh, and or sorry, clean eating and green living for fertility. And, um, and it's mostly focused, that was the first one that got started. And um, so it's a little, you know, the, it mostly has the diet and, and like non-toxin focus to it. Uh, but I try to pepper in the mind-body work too. Yeah. Um, and, uh, um, and then I have another group. I have a secret group that's just a to, to make a mommy um, support group. And that's just like, like just like general support and non-toxic living and all that kind of stuff too. But also, um, you know, some of the more spiritual side to it. Um, and then I have a group, a secret group for women who have gotten pregnant um, after infertility or miscarriage or have been in one of the groups and who are like still really want that support. Like they still really want other people to talk to and ask their crazy questions too. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, like the, the emails from readers and like on Instagram, you know, like the messages and, um, and the messages on Facebook. And it's just, it's really become this beautiful, this beautiful community. And it's, been so I mean there's there's not a lot that's more rewarding than you know logging you know picking up your phone or logging onto your computer and having like a picture of a baby and someone saying you know like you know I found your blog a year ago and you know when the doctors had told me I had no hope and now here's my beautiful baby like I mean it's um it's super rewarding it's super wonderful this just um, chokes so. you up like every time yeah 
<laughs> yeah. You know, when I like read amazing. podcast reviews or emails from people, it's, it's, yeah, it's a similar experience. Like, Oh, I found your podcast and now I'm pregnant. I have a baby. And yeah, it's, that's yes. one of the things that's like so rewarding about helping other women in this space. And, and many of us, myself included got here because we struggled ourselves and yes. wanted to help people yes. find a way to get through it faster and better than what yes. we had to do. Um, so yeah, I, I respect that and think that your, your blog is amazing. And I'm so glad that you have these Facebook groups that are available for women, um, to get the support that they need. So now you've mentioned a lot of resources throughout this episode, things that you've used and books yeah. that you've read. And so, um, just kind of reiterate, what are some of those like really key ones? Like if you had to name three, that you, that a woman like starting on her journey, like you found out that she's struggling and like, what are those like top three resources or books or sites or whatever that, that you would recommend? All right. So definitely get the book. It starts with the egg, get the new edition, the second edition by Rebecca Fett. She's got a lot of great updates in that. Um, that one was life-changing in terms of the showing the science for the non-toxic, like overhaul of your life, like throwing out all the the cleaners and the deodorants, the shampoos and all that stuff, just getting rid of all that stuff and, and, and switching to non-toxic products um, and the supplements and the diet. That one's really great, um, especially if you're like me and the science behind it really motivates you. Um, Circle and Bloom, their meditation programs are incredible. Um, they have two main focuses in Circle and Bloom, which is fertility and then cancer. Um, so if you know anyone who's struggling with cancer, definitely refer them over to Circle and Bloom also. Um, but they have programs for uh, like a natural cycle, for IVF, for donor eggs, for, um, uh, they also have specific ones for like PCOS healing. Um, they have a free one that's for recovering from miscarriage. Um, excuse me, but absolutely circle and bloom, hands down, it's gonna be the best $60 you spend on your fertility journey. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and three, oh, three, I don't know about three. Um, <laughs> I mean, well, there's a lot of other. Your website is- <laughs> My blog, yeah, yeah, come to my blog. <laughs> I can go on and the then list I have, well. I have on my, so one of the, one of the ways I wanted, one of the reasons I wanted to make my blog was back in, um, back to when I was 32. So I like working back, uh, back in 2013, 2014, um, when I was doing this research, there were really, there weren't the same amount of, you know, websites and resources on the web. There were only a couple of main ones. And basically it was, you'd Google like maca and fertility and it would just be like, maca is this wonderful, amazing supplement and it's great for male and female fertility and everybody should totally take it, right? There'd be like six blogs saying that. But there'd be, there'd be nothing like, oh, but you shouldn't take it if you have these six conditions. Right. And you've got to make sure you take the gelatinized kind because otherwise the regular kind can really screw up your stomach. And also these five brands have like heavy metals, like I have like toxic loads of heavy metals. So don't take those brands and like here's the clean brand. Um, so there were no blogs doing that. So that was what, so I, I actually did not take mock-up, but, but that was an example. Like that was what I wanted my blog to do. I wanted my blog to be like, okay, like here's a super cool thing. Here's the research behind it. And here's how I actually implemented it. Right. So instead of just being like, gratitude is so great. It's like, get yourself a journal, get yourself a pen, you know, like once a day, sit down and write this down three times a day. Like, cause I wanted after every blog post, I wanted people to be able to walk away with something to do, like something actionable, yeah. not just some like flighty ideas. Not that there's anything wrong with flighty ideas. There isn't. And I got a lot of my stuff from that and my inspiration. 
Um, and but implementation is important. Like people need to know how to do something. Uh, that's always key. It's like, don't just tell somebody what to do, like give them a starting point and a, and a half. Yeah. And that, and that takes the stress out of it too. Right. So like I have a post on non-toxic deodorant. Cause if you, if you tell women, um, you know, stop using that toxic deodorant, it's terrible for you. It's going to cause breast cancer and infertility and whatever. Um, and they're going to go to the store and be like, well, which one do I buy? Like, I don't know what to do. So I'm like, so I, so I have a blog post where I have like, here are like 12 different awesome non-toxic brands. And here's a whole bunch of other ones I haven't tried, but are also non-toxic. Um, just to make it easy. Um, that's what I wanted. I wanted it to be easier. Um, so I've got lots of, lots of non-toxic products on my website. Um, like in ones we use, I've got books that I love, um, and all sorts of resources. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. I'm, I'm really excited to share this with listeners because I, I don't think that we have talked about your blog on the podcast before. So this is, this is great for people to be able to go and discover some more things. So kind of as we come to a close here with the interview, we always ask our podcast guests this, but what is your biggest piece of advice for women on this journey? And I, we maybe have alluded to this already, but yeah. Uh, yeah. What do, you, what do you have for women? What's the pearl of wisdom, the takeaway from this episode? I would say, and maybe I'll try to combine a couple things into one sentence, but I mean, my, my biggest, I think that every woman should take this opportunity, right? Take this journey as an opportunity to take control of their own, you know, health and well-being journey and to try and get as happy and healthy as they possibly can be. Like, okay, this is a message from the universe. This is a moment where I can try and get as healthy and happy as I possibly can be. Um, let me take this time to, to, to take charge and to do this. Um, and then hopefully, you know, get pregnant. Um, yeah. But, but that's the, you know, that's like, there's so many blessings that come from this journey, but that's the, the big one, I think. Yeah. Um, I agree. I did. I did a whole episode about my journey and I called it the silver lining of infertility because there are silver linings in this journey. And it has been an incredible opportunity for me to get to the bottom of some things that needed to be looked at and explored. And had I not done that and I had gotten pregnant when I wanted to just exactly like what we were talking about, not being able to have the experience that you wanted. And I, I foresee (laughs) or foresaw at that point that that Mm -hmm. is, is what would have happened to me. And so even though this journey sucks, <laughs> like there's no way around it. Not being able to have a baby yeah. when you want to, it's, it's difficult, but you can take that and, and turn it into something better for yourself and for your family. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Anna. This was a fantastic interview. I absolutely cannot wait to share this with our audience and um, have them be as inspired by your journey and your work um, as I have been. So thank you. Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure talking with you. Thank you so much.